Welcome back to the G-Truth, the one and only good truth, and you're going to see why we're called that. Uh, we've been consistent with a lot of things, and I'm going to stay that way. Uh, you know, I just got a new chair, so it's kind of nice. I don't have to sit on a stool anymore, so now I can actually like just relax and spin around or whatever. It's just a lot more comfortable, but I want to jump into the Christmas game day. Uh, whoa, I messed up my words. Christmas Day games in the NBA. Uh, my takeaways from them. Not a whole lot of takeaways from like the more matchups that were kind of blots or une- uneventful. Um, but a lot of it is takeaways from the losing team, I'm going to say. And I know this is like two days late, but hey, I'm going to do it anyways. All right. Bucks versus the Knicks. In New York, Bucks won. There's not really much to comment on here. The Bucks have Giannis. The Knicks are rebuilding. Don't have Giannis. That, that's about it. Thunder and Rockets. Now, this game was a lot more interesting than I... Well, I mean, I had the Rockets winning. But the Thunder kept it pretty close and played some really nice defense. I know that Harden had 41 points. He had 41 points. But when you look in, in, in perspective... That was on 35 shots. If you take 35 shots to score 41 points, I mean, as a player on a defensive team, I would be okay with that. I'd be fine with that. If you score 41 points on me, but it takes you 35 shots to do that, I'm okay with that, especially with James Harden getting a whole lot, a bunch of stuff at the foul line. I'm okay with that. Paul George had 28 points on 25 Shots. So again, both teams were playing defense. Rockets going back to that uh, sort of version of themselves that we saw them last year. Like I said earlier in previous episodes on this podcast. Like I said, I only speak of the truth. And I told you, the Rockets would get going and they'd go back to their identity. And that all happened with their winning against the Trailblazers uh, a week or two ago. And I mentioned that. But I think that this game also showed that. Um, it wasn't their best performance. A lot of it, I think, had to do with just... Especially Russell Westbrook, I think. Russell Westbrook shot 6 for 20. That's pretty bad. I mean, I know that Harden and Paul George didn't you know, have their best games. But Russell Westbrook is the man on, on that Thundered squad. And he's got to show it. Six for 20 is just not going to get it done. He had 20 points, I'm pretty sure. But six for 20 is not going to get it done. He had more free throws than he had made shots. He had seven free throws that he made. He was seven for 10 from the line. Um, It's just all-around poor performance from him. And I think that's the tricky thing with the Thunder is that Russell Westbrook, we know he doesn't have the best shot selection. Especially in clutch situations, which is what happened against the Rockets. It got really tight. He he didn't shoot the good shots. He shot long shots. He had a nice layup, but he just didn't make it. But then when you look at Paul George, even though he had that one game winner against, I believe, the Brooklyn Nets or some team like that, some not-so-great team. Yeah, the Brooklyn Nets, yeah. He historically has not done well with game winners or clutch shots or stuff like that. So that's kind of the conundrum with the Thunder that I feel that 
could hurt them a whole lot if they go into the playoffs not having solved this. Now I'm going to move on to the 76ers and Celtics game where the Celtics won, but it came to a similar thing where the 76ers just could not perform in the clutch. Now the Celtics had Kyrie, and in my opinion, Kyrie is one of the greatest closers that this game has ever seen. He just is. He has moments like this, like he had against this, the uh, 76ers on Christmas Day, that it's hard to see other players have. He made that tough shot over Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler played perfect defense. He had a hand in his face, all up in his grill, everything. But then when it got to overtime, when it was just a minute left, teams were like playing bad. He, he said, here, give me the ball, and let me dribble, dribble, dribble. Step back, whatever I gotta do, three pointer, swish it. Next time, defensive stop comes down the court, just running three, nothing but net. Whole crowd goes crazy in Boston. Uh, yeah, the Celtics have their guy. He's he's the closer for them. Hopefully for them, they keep him. Um, and that he doesn't leave in the off season. I don't think he will. But we'll see how the rest of the season progresses for them. But for the 76ers side, Joel Embiid, 34 points. Jimmy Butler, 24 points. J.J. Redick, 17 points. All of those guys shot over 15 shots. Now, I don't want to get into, well, did they shoot it uh, well or consistently or something like that. But I just want to focus on the amount of shots. Chandler, Wilson Chandler. He's not a big name. He's more of a role player. Same with J.J. Redick. Not a big name. More of a role player. But they both have a significant impact for the 76ers. He had 15 points. If you take him, Chandler, that is, Chandler, Redick, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, all of them shot the ball over 11 times. 11 times or more. Simmons now. Had 11 points on 9 shots. And I think that the problem with him is that he's just not willing to shoot. And you can see it with the way that the Boston Celtics have been playing him since last season. In the playoffs especially. Where he where he had that 1 point game. Where it was just... How? If you're that guy, you don't have 1 point. That just does not happen. He lacks the free throw shooting ability, which he just simply has not worked on. He lacks the, the ability to even knock down a mid-range shot. He hasn't worked on that either. And he can't even shoot the three or, or even be a reliable threat from there, more or less. Yes, he's a gifted passer. Yes, he's a gifted rebounder. Yes, he can drive to the lane, into the hoop. Do whatever he needs to do. He's a crafty finisher, a crafty passer, all those things. But that does not matter when it gets down into the clutch. Into these big moments, all that matters is whether you can get the result of, of points on the board. That's all that matters. No one cares what pass you make unless it leads to a score. In this case, it simply did not work. He did not make a pass that led to a score. You look, you look at Jimmy Butler throughout this whole season. He's had two or three game winners for the 76ers. Big moment shots. He's their guy in the clutch. Ben Simmons is not that guy. 
And I think the problem with the 76ers is that when he's on the floor, they function great. But then when it gets into the clutch moments, where they're down by two or three or four, they can't have him on the floor because he's because he's because he's a, basically a liability. Because then, same thing that happened, which I'm talking about with the Warriors, is that he was like Draymond. Except Draymond's more willing to shoot, but he just doesn't make his shots, and no one really cares enough to guard him, and it becomes a four on five game out there. That's basically the story that is for the 76ers. That's my takeaway from the game for them. On to the next game, Lakers and Warriors. Lakers blew out the Warriors. I did not see this coming, but I was not surprised. I had the Warriors winning this game, but I was not going to be surprised if the Lakers won because the Warriors do not have the best history when it comes to Christmas Day games, and they, as of late, have been playing pretty poorly despite them winning. The Warriors have had mainly their struggles in Draymond and Clay Thompson and that bench unit. Everyone aside from Kevon Looney, the starting center in that game for the Warriors, and Andre Iguodala, who's coming off the bench for that game. Everyone aside from them, which includes Kevin Durant and Curry, Draymond, Clay, Alfonso McKinney, everyone. Jonas Jurepko, they all shot a combined 24 of 72 from the field. That is 33%. And a lot of that got boosted up because Sean Livingston made like 3 of 5 or 3 of 6 of his shots. But Clay, Draymond, KD, Steph didn't play particularly well. That had a lot to do with their loss. And, you know, the Lakers hit their threes which they haven't really been doing for most of the season. So it was kind of an anomaly, you might say. But nevertheless, it still happened. And the Warriors had their chance. They got down within two when LeBron got injured, but they just couldn't finish it off. So I credit this win a lot more for the Lakers to their young guys who played extremely well. There were seven guys in double figures for the Lakers, and that's in points. The Lakers did what the Warriors, like they attacked the Warriors' defense. I mean, I mean, yeah, they did that, but but they attacked the Warriors' weakness. That's what I meant to say. They exposed the Warriors' weakness, which is in the paint and rebounding. Lakers dominated both of those categories. They dominated points in the paint and rebounding. And like I said before, when when you get those rebounds, you get offensive rebound, rebounds as well. And you just get multiple opportunities, and that helps a lot for the three-point shooting. If they miss it, they get the rebound. They can fix their shot in the moment instead of having to wait for another possession to fix their shot. So they can just keep on shooting and shooting and shooting. And eventually you'll get a layup or a wide-open three. Tires out the defense is where the Warriors cannot get tired out on because they still have to produce enough on the offensive side. Now, so there's two takeaways from this that I already presented. Words are struggling, but I think that in the long run, they'll be fine. And the Lakers' young guys are playing extremely well. And I think that this helps LeBron a lot in the long run, but but then it can also hurt him if they don't do so well in the playoffs 
or for the rest of the season for that matter. Because this game just showed that he has the pieces and they can play. And they can play well. They they can keep up with the best of them. Now for my third point, my third takeaway from this game was uh, LeBron's groin, groin injury. He will be out against the Kings. Uh, his MRI scan did turn up clear, but he will be day-to-day, and he won't play against the Kings. Now, in the short term, I don't think it's a big deal. But in the long run, that's, that's, what, I'm more fo- and that's what I'm more focused on. He's going to be with the, uh, the Lakers for, I believe, three or four years. That's what his contract is, uh, including this year. But I believe that this could be foretelling of what may happen in years to come that we've that that he's avoided for much of his career, which is injuries and bad injuries too. Now this one wasn't bad; it was a groin injury. But I, I've been listening to like different people speak about this, and I think that it all lines up where it's. Whereas, like, this could lead to future bad injuries where, you know, you, know, you get, a, like, something, something with a hamstring, something with another muscle, something with the quads, and it just, and your body just deteriorates. We saw this with Kobe. Like, he was very good, but then at the end of his career, he got a lot more ankle injuries, and they would just keep on coming, 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 and he'd be out for a season, like, 50 games, 40 games, 30 games. And they just keep on going up and up and up. Which is why for the last few of his seasons, he just never really played because he was always injured. So that's my worry for the Lakers uh, going forward. I don't think that it's a big deal right now, but it might be a big deal maybe one or two years down the line. Maybe even three if he continues to stay healthy. Now for the Trailblazers and Jazz game. The Jazz won in a blowout. Um, I don't think that there was anything special about this game aside from the Jazz returning to how they played last season where they just played great on the defensive end and played also well on the offensive end because we know that they have the capability of playing great defense and they did that against Portland. Um, Portland shot 39.3% from the field and the Jazz shot 55.4% from the field. Now, a lot of that has to do with just a lot better shot selection, a lot better defense, which leads to a lot more transitions, fast break opportunities, stuff like that. But they also shot the three a lot better. They made a lot more threes than they have in previous games. And we saw Joe Ingles and Kyle Korver, uh, what social media is calling the uh, splash uncles, playing on the Splash Brothers in in Golden State, but they they shot well from three. They made their threes. Kyle Korver's been struggling from there, and he finally turned it on. Those are my takeaways from those Christmas games. Um, I'm going to do another recording on my predictions for the NFL uh, Week 17, which should come out on Friday, but I think it should be good. I'm going to pre-record that right now because I'm going to be on vacation for this week and I don't really want to interrupt that. Um, Yeah, so this is the G-Truth and it's the G-Truth out. Peace.